Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Deuteronomy. It is Friday, and I am so thankful that you guys chose to tune in to the Bible Explained podcast on your Friday mornings or afternoons or whenever you choose to wake up. But let's go ahead and read Deuteronomy 30, actually, today on this lovely Friday morning. And make sure to grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea. I'm drinking tea this morning, which is rare for me. Usually I have a cup of coffee. But I decided on black tea this morning. I've been really getting into the flavored black teas because they still have quite a lot of caffeine in them, which I like. And uh, some of the flavored black teas are actually pretty good, shockingly. I sort of like them. But okay, let's read uh, Deuteronomy 30, the entire thing. I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. as usual. It shall happen when all these things have come on you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you shall call them to mind among all the nations where Yahweh your God has driven you, and return to Yahweh your God, and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul, that then Yahweh your God will release you from captivity, have compassion on you, and will return you and gather you from all the peoples where Yahweh your God has scattered you. If your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of the heavens, from there Yahweh your God will gather you, and from there he will bring you back. Yahweh your God will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed, and you will possess it. He will do you good and increase your numbers more than your fathers. Yahweh your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring to love Yahweh your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. Yahweh your God will put all these curses on your enemies and on those who hate you, who persecuted you. You shall return and obey Yahweh's voice and do all his commandments, which I command you today. Yahweh your God will make you prosperous in all the work of your hand, in the fruit of your body, in the fruit of your livestock, and in the fruit of your ground for good. For Yahweh will again rejoice over you for good, as he rejoiced over your fathers. If you will obey Yahweh your God's voice to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law. If you turn to Yahweh your God with all your heart and with all your soul. For this commandment, which I command you today, is not too hard for you or too distant. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will go up for us to heaven to bring it to us and proclaim it to us that we may do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us, bring it to us and proclaim it to us that we may do it. But the word is very near to you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. Behold, I have set before you today life and prosperity and death and evil. For I command you today to love Yahweh your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his ordinances, that you may live and multiply, and that Yahweh your God may bless you in the land where you go to possess it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but you are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you will surely perish." You will not prolong your days in the land where you pass over the Jordan to go in to possess it. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. Therefore, choose life that you may live, you and your descendants, to love Yahweh your God, to obey his voice and to cling to him. For he is your life and the length of your days, that you may dwell in the land which Yahweh swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, 
and to Jacob to give them. Moses is about to die, and he gives this absolutely beautiful sermon to the people right before, basically, he goes up to die. In fact, spoiler alert, Deuteronomy ends with Moses dying, but I've already said that before, so it's not exactly a spoiler, and even scripture basically points it out ahead of time. But basically, Moses now is preaching to the people. You guys remember over the past few days, actually the past couple weeks, we've been going over the blessings and the cursings of Israel. Like what will happen if the Israelites, you know, do the the things that God tells them to do, they're going to be blessed. But if they do all the things that God tells them not to do, then they will be cursed and their cursings are going to get worse and worse and worse and worse till eventually they are scattered everywhere. Like in other words, the people are driven out of their homes. A lot of them are killed by various plagues or problems or people. And then they're scattered all over the place is what God said would happen. And then after that, they're basically not a nation anymore. I mean, imagine a Imagine this happening nowadays to a nation. Their nation gets totally destroyed and all the people just get like scattered as immigrants all over the world. You would think that that nation is done with, you know, like you would never think, oh, that nation is going to prosper and going to come back in a handful of years. You wouldn't think that at all. But God says that's what's going to happen. And this is a miracle if you think about it, because this doesn't happen. Unless God is on your side, this does not happen. God says here that once the people that were scattered in their foreign nations living there as immigrants begin to realize their sins and how they need to come back to God, God says that the people will, in fact, humble their hearts. They will return to God. And all of a sudden, God is going to begin to bless Israel again, a nation that was totally destroyed due to war and famine and plagues and whatever else. And yet God is going to somehow bring all the people back to Israel. Kind of a funny verse here. Verse four, if your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of the heavens from there, Yahweh will gather you from there. He will bring you back. So even the outcasts, you know, who Israel probably didn't care about so much. I mean, after all, they were outcasts. God says even the outcasts are going to come back. And even if they're in the uttermost parts of the heaven, (laughs) God will bring them home. Now, this, of course, is talking figuratively, not literally. But what God is saying is basically no matter where, no matter where the people end up, God will bring them back. We actually see this happening now. We see a whole bunch of people returning to Israel currently. There's actually like a mass migration happening where like Jews from all over the world are basically going back to Israel and beginning to live there now. And they're saying it's like a fulfillment of the prophecy. Um, I don't know. (laughs) I'm not going to speak on that myself personally. It could be a fulfillment of the prophecy. It could be something else. I don't know. I have no clue. But but yeah, we do see that it is actually happening nowadays. And it's happened before the Israelites ended up returning to Israel. And then, of course, we know that Israel became a nation again back in Was it the 1940s or 50s? I can't remember. But the nation of Israel was reestablished and the people, the Jewish people moved back to Israel. So this did in fact happen. And it's happened multiple times throughout history. So Israel is a very, very resilient country, even to this day, because God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that the Israelites 
would be protected. I've actually heard a lot of people say that, you know, it's not the same Israel as it used to be, so God doesn't have to protect Israel anymore. Personally, I don't actually think that that is true because we know that um, anybody who converted to Judaism (laughs) would be considered part of the fold. Like even in the Old Testament, like say a Kushite or an Ethiopian, in other words, decided to convert to Judaism, they would become an Israelite at that point and God would accept them into the Israelite fold. So I do think that God is still maintaining his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because he made it and he said that it's going to be a lasting covenant. And even though we have a new covenant now where Gentiles are included, I do think that still God is in his mercy and in his promise still watching over and protecting Israel in some way. But that is my own personal opinion. But going back to scripture here, it says that not only will God restore the people who are scattered all over the earth, but he's going to return them and give them a circumcised heart. So he's going to make them have a heart that is for him, if that makes sense. The whole idea of circumcision from the very beginning when God Uh, first made the covenant with Abraham was he told Abraham to get circumcised because that was showing Abraham that he was different. He was set apart for God. So circumcision was and still is a very big part of Judaism. So the idea of having a circumcised heart means like having a heart set apart for God, if that makes sense. But going back to the idea of God bringing the people back together who were once scattered, This might not necessarily just be talking about Israel. This could be talking about when Jesus came to earth and began the new covenant and then brought the the early church together as the body of Christ. You know, the people who are once scattered, both Jews and Gentiles, not sure, you know, who they were following. Jesus brought them all together. He took the scattered people and made them into a church, per se. And there's even verses in Romans that talk about how God gave us a new heart. You know, our hearts were once uncircumcised, but now they're circumcised. So yeah, Deuteronomy 30 could even be foreshadowing Jesus and what Jesus' mission was in the end. But lastly, it could also be talking about the end times. All of this could be prophesying about when Jesus is going to come again. And there's going to be a thousand year reign of peace. And then, of course, God's going to make the new heaven and the new earth. And he's going to make the new Jerusalem where everybody is going to live comfortably. People aren't going to be scattered here and there anymore. And everybody's going to live in comfort with Jesus. And we're all basically going to be like worshiping God all the time at that point. So Deuteronomy 30 really could be talking about any number of things. It could be talking about physical Israel that we know today. It could be talking about Jesus and the new covenant and our new hearts towards God through Jesus. And then lastly, it could be talking about when Jesus returns again and allows everybody to live in comfort and in complete peace with all these blessings that God is promising here. And moving forward with this, it says that instead the enemies are going to be the ones that are cursed, which once again could be talking about the enemies of Israel, both past, present, and future. It could be talking about the enemies of the church. 
or it could be talking about in the the last day, once again, where Jesus comes to earth and destroys his enemies. Because when Jesus comes again, he's not coming with peace. He's coming with judgment. So verse 11 here to the end talks about how God's law is so good. Here's what it says. For this commandment, which I command you today, is not too hard for you or too distant. God's laws, even though we have to follow them and there is some amount of struggle we have to go through in order to do God's laws, they're not that hard. And actually, even Jesus says this very thing where he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So there is an amount of burden that comes with the law, but it's a very light burden. And even Moses says this, the, co- the commandments are not too hard for you and they're not too distant. This is showing that everything that God gave us in scripture is here for us. It's not distant. It's not far off. It's not hard for us to wrap our minds around. We make it that way all the time. One of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast years ago was because I get so irritated when people would like add to scripture and add like all these ridiculous rules to scripture like, oh, women have to wear dresses all the time and, you know, we can't have drum beats in church and we can't do this and we can't do that and we can't. And if you do any of these things, then you're a sinner. And I don't know how you could be getting into heaven. You might be getting into heaven, but I don't know how you could be. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast is because of that. Like people just want to add to scripture all the time. And that's what the Pharisees did also. The Pharisees would add all these burdens, these annoying things that were never in the law to the people. He would, they would add them and cause the people to have to carry these terrible figurative burdens. And Jesus would tell the Pharisees that they were being ridiculous for doing that. So God's laws When you look at them for what they are, they're not too hard and they're not too distant, especially for the people back in these days. Don't forget, the Old Testament was written for the people who lived in this time period, people who already knew everything about sacrifices and people who were pagans. God was showing them the correct way to live. And even though nowadays, sometimes we look at the Old Testament, we're just like, wow, this seems crazy to us because we don't have that kind of culture anymore for the people of this time period. The laws were not too hard and they were not too distant. In other words, the people could follow these laws. They might not follow them to perfection. I mean, nobody can follow God's laws to perfection, but they weren't so burdensome that they would never be able to follow them. It was doable is what Moses is saying. It's doable. And then he says here, it is not in heaven that you should say, who's going to go up for he- or up to heaven and bring it to us so we can proclaim it and, and do it. So Moses is like, it's already here with you. God's already given it to you. There's not some extra little thing that you need to know about up in heaven. It's all here, right here. And then he uh, says, the word is very near to you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. I think what Moses is talking about here is our conscience. Sometimes you just kind of have an inkling if something's wrong before you do it. Like, have you ever had that happen to you where you're like, something seems off about this. I don't think I should do this. I'm not sure why it seems off. I'm not sure why I shouldn't do it, but I don't think I'm going to do that. And then in the end, you figure out 
hey, like it was a really good thing that I didn't do that thing. (laughs) Have you ever had that happen to you? And that's like, that's like the Holy Spirit talking to you because it does say that the Holy Spirit is the best counselor. He's, He's the counselor. And he does give you these little inklings. That's your conscience. He gives you these little inklings like, hey, this is how you do it. Hey, don't do that thing. Hey, you should do this thing. And that's what Moses is saying here. It is near to you. God's laws are near to you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do them. So even if the people couldn't remember a specific law or forgot something, God was prodding them still to do the right thing. And I agree that nowadays God still does the same thing with you and I. Verse 19, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. Therefore, choose life that you may live, you and your descendants. Right there. I mean, Moses is directly telling us to choose life. There's so many people that are like, well, there's nobody, there's nothing in scripture that says I can't have an abortion. But then there's plenty of other scriptures where God talks about how much he loves life and how much he wants people to choose life. And plus the Holy Spirit is talking to us, telling us, hey, God loves life. So it's wrong to have an abortion. It is wrong to kill a child before he or she is born. Verse 16, for I command you today to love Yahweh your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes, his ordinances, that you may live and multiply and that Yahweh or God may bless you in the land where you go to possess it, where you go to possess it. So Moses ends all of this basically by telling people to just obey God. You know, his laws are not too hard for us. They're not too distant. Even nowadays, even the new covenant, it's not too hard. It is not distant from us. God gave us everything we need to know through scripture and through the Holy Spirit. He has given us everything we need to follow him. So why aren't we doing it? Why are people going around trying to find passages of scripture to twist in order to make something that is evil seem good? For example, yesterday I just talked about in the book of John, how Jesus and John's relationship has been misconstrued to be a homosexual relationship. Because people see verses like John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, and they're just like, oh, that means Jesus and John were homosexuals. But then scripture tells us that Jesus said God made them male and female and a man will leave his mother and cling to his wife. So why would Jesus contradict his own words? That makes no sense. He would never, ever do that. But people who don't know scripture, people who don't want to read it, people who don't want to stop sinning, want to ignore scripture instead of choosing life. They are choosing death. Like Moses says here, they're choosing death. They're choosing the curse. So you and I, we have a choice. We can choose life. We can choose the words that God gives us that speak life to us, or we can choose the curse that we talked about for multiple days. We can choose. So Moses says, choose life and choose to love Yahweh or God. Choose to obey his voice. Choose to cling to him for he is your life and the length 
of your days. God is life. He is your life. He is my life. He is the length of your days. There's an awesome quote that says, you are immortal until God says you aren't. In other words, God controls life. He is your life. He is my life. He is giving you every single breath that you are taking right now. He is giving me my breath currently. He is allowing me to live another day. So God, who is so powerful like that and is our life and the length of our days, why would we ever choose death over life? Faithful listeners, I hope that you have a fantastic rest of your weekend and that it stays nice and sunny and beautiful for all of you guys. And you know what? Uh, Thank you to everybody who entered into the giveaway. I personally responded to the winners, but hopefully I'll do another giveaway soon in the future. Guys, I hope to see you on Monday, but until then, have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Happy listening and God bless.